I hope everybody welcomes me back from my vacation. It was nine days of Disney World, which is like the pit of hell, but with rides and restaurants. <laughs> But yeah, so while I was away, a lot of stuff was going on, um, namely WWDC, and then uh, E3 uh, happened slash, uh, well, is happening, I guess? I don't know exactly when it ended. I talked about that a little bit on this week's download, which was fun to do. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I, I got that, I did that on this afternoon, actually. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't, we kind of sort of planned to record this yesterday, but then I got about four hours of sleep because <laughs> yeah. my, my, my parents live in Hawaii and their flight out of Orlando left at like five in the morning. So they had to, they had to leave at like two in the morning, leave the hotel room to take the Disney Magical Express. Anyway, I have slept <laughs> and read a bunch of stuff and now I have like thoughts that are that should be at least reasonably co coherent about what we saw and didn't see at wwdc yeah the keynote specifically well the whole thing since uh we're not doing this day of so i can talk about stuff that has happened since that's true and you're better qualified to talk about it than i am uh, <laughs> for the most part um i am not a mac developer or an i don't use swift or objective c or I'm trying super hard to avoid C-sharp, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes they make me. Um, yeah, so. Um, I wish I had been able to watch the keynote live, but watching people's tweets was pretty good. You get to see what people were freaking out about and what people were like very meh about. <laughs> Apple's still going hard on AR for some reason. Yep. I'm not quite sure what that reason <laughs> could possibly be. Uh, I mean, I guess the phones can do it without any awkward external hardware or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're pushing AR is kind of um, frustrating. So uh, one of the questions uh, Gruber asked on the talk show live to his guests, which were Jaws React and uh, one of the AR guys, well, some the the the, uh, the guy was something of AR and VR, hmm. um, and uh, John asked, um, how you know Apple says you know that touching a Mac screen is you know stupid or painful or fatiguing, but what about holding an iPad out that exact distance <laughs> and doing like that Lego demo? Yeah. That actually does, that's a very good question. Yeah. Like, the reason Pokemon Go works as an AR experience is because Pokemon are cat-sized. So <laughs> your phone is looking down in the same orientation it is, you know, when you're walking and texting. Not that we encourage that sort of thing. Or uh, walking and looking at directions. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Although, ideally, you should kind of step to the side of wherever yeah, you're yeah. walking <laughs> um uh, not that that was ever a problem in disney world people just stopping in the middle of the sidewalk but 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I <laughs> I didn't even think about how fatiguing that would be, because not only are you poking at a screen that's far away from you with your finger, but you're holding up the screen in your hands while you're doing it. And for an iPad, like, that's a fair amount of torque. Yeah. I guess we'll see where it goes in a few years. And the whole measuring thing, like they made such a big deal out of that in the keynote. And I'm like, why? I mean, I get that it, that being able to measure things is kind of a an extremely useful tool for all these like virtually placed furniture in your house apps, but it's, it's kind of boring. Yeah, but at least at least that's a practical application if they could actually get the calibration decent. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't see, uh, you know, contractors of the future using their iPhones to measure things instead of a tape no, measure. No, just for but... shopping, though. I guess. Yeah, if you forget your tape measure when you go to the furniture store, then yeah, that's a problem. But what you should do is measure all your doorways. Right, yeah, <laughs> as well that's as... what actually matters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your room sizes, yes, are important, but, but above all, your doorways, because if you cannot get your furniture into your house, that's a big problem. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, that was kind of weird. Um, yeah. what else was cool in iOS? Oh my God. So the, I think the worst thing <laughs> that came out of it was walkie talkie mode on the Apple watch. I do not yeah. want that. <laughs> I don't want other people to have that. I don't, I just, I don't know. No, Apple. You <laughs> kids is... may not remember the Nextel chirp era, uh... but those are dark times. And like, um, it doesn't even do like watch what to watch communication. It does it over FaceTime, you know, so it needs a proper network connection anyway. Mm -hmm. So, you know, which is, you know, the same limitation that Chirp had as well. But the point is, it's just, you know, some stupid feature we had in the early noughties and went away because it was awful. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like there's a reason that didn't persist. <laughs> I mean, there are several reasons, one of which is like, we don't want to talk to each other. We just want to text each other. It's it feels like an imposition to have to listen to to the sound of somebody's voice. Yeah, I mean <laughs> Which... uh, the uh, the only uh, the only thing I'll give it is that um, it may have an accessibility angle to it that I'm not seeing. Um. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Um. I mean, the the i iOS does have uh pretty reasonable text-to-speech as it is, but I can see how having just a straight-up little voice messaging thing would be helpful. Yeah. But I don't want anybody to call me ever, and I will deny right. <laughs> any <laughs> any watch messages, any walkie-talkie watch crap anybody ever tries to send me. Not that I think anybody will, but if they do, yeah. no. Um, since I mentioned accessibility, um, uh, two things Apple did very well on this year. Um, in the sessions, there were multiple talks on accessibility features um, and more than just voiceover and the, uh, you know, text embiggening features, you know, mm. like, um, you know, they were they were good talks. And in the voiceover one, um, they had a, uh, a very low vision engineer of theirs um, actually do the demos. Um, for using voiceover. So this is, you know, someone who uses it for real. Right. Um, so that was cool. Um, and of course, if you uh, manage to book time in uh, one of the accessibility consultations there, um, you you get that experience as well. Um, but it was actually in sessions this time and more than one. 
Um, and another great thing was that uh, the uh, uh, gender ratio during the keynote was pretty much 50-50. Yep, although if I recall, uh, wasn't it mostly just white women, mostly or entirely white presenting? Yes. <laughs> Which, so we need all of the peoples, <laughs> all of the kinds of people, um, if only to prove that... Yeah. Well, we... the uh, they had the uh, Adobe CTO. He's something, but he's not right. an Apple representative. No, he doesn't count. I'm sorry, you don't get to count other people's diversity right. <laughs> as your own. Nice try, though. No, um, yeah, that, they're. I, I mean, I guess they're trying, and at least, <laughs> at least none of the women were models, literal models this year. Right. Although I did, um, uh, see a misogynist tweet that uh, made it into my timeline of. <laughs> some guy called them hot and distracting <laughs> and it's like uh no dude <laughs> those are the vps of their thing that sounds yeah. like a personal problem right there's i mean yeah. good for you for telling on yourself like that but right <laughs> no women um and uh and since uh, uh tim cook's apple is a little more open it was nice to see uh a group picture of them that went around uh, after the presentation as well. Yeah, and I mean, I remember when I was at AllConf last year, seeing a fair amount of women walking around with engineer um, t-shirts, although we do still object to calling them software engineers for the most part. Right. Some of them are. Many some of them. them. Some of them may have engineering <laughs> degrees, but I bet most of them don't. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's almost like a turnoff for me if I were looking for jobs and it was in the title was like front end engineer. I'm like, well, I don't know what that is. <laughs> right. It, it's a step below rock star. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. So, but eventually I may end up with one of those. Um, um, the keynote opened with a video that almost hit it out of the park. Yeah, I didn't watch that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> when um, I rewatched, I skipped past all that. <laughs> It was a uh, David Attenborough narrated um, migration of developers to San Jose. Mm. And uh, it had some cute scenes in it. Um, you know, it had like, uh, you know, he said something about the uh, silver mane of uh, Craig Federighi, but, you know, didn't mm -hmm. use his name. And they only showed Craig's face um, on a phone screen uh, with someone taking a selfie with him. Mm. Otherwise, you know, it was just his hair. Um, <laughs> and... Um, you know, showed people rushing at a food table, uh, getting their badges tangled together, you know, funny stuff. Um, but it did make some basement dweller stereotypes in it as well, which it would have been perfectly fine without. But That's you know, right. I remember people tweeting about that. That was wholly unnecessary. It was unnecessary. It wasn't funny. And they're not only harmful, like they're harmful in two directions, because, um, you know, if you do fit that stereotype, obviously you'll be offended. Um, and if you don't, it almost seems kind of gatekeepy yeah. because if you're not a basement dweller, then you're not dedicating your life enough to development. Like, how dare you also like have other interests kind of thing? Yeah, that's, that is something that I complain about a lot on Twitter is that this, this idea that if your job is not the same thing as your hobby, then, right. <laughs> then you're not 
that's not really your job. You're not a real developer unless you spend every waking second writing code. Um, well, I hate to break it to you, especially any young devs who are living that life right now, but you probably suck. <laughs> or you're going to suck in a few years because you're just going to burn out and your brain is going to be like, mm, no. Yeah. I mean, you know, I hope you're making seven figures now because you're going to have to retire at 30. Right. You're get, and, and you'll need therapy. And therapy right. is not cheap, especially in this country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I liked Memoji a lot. I definitely, I won't cop to uh, loading the beta on my phone <laughs> earlier today. I'm not admitting that for the sake of Memoji, but... You know, other other people might have considered performing that action. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a great thing about Memoji is that um, if you've ever gone through setting up like Bitmoji or anything similar, um, there's a lot of uh, labeling in yes, the literal sense. There's a lot of gender stuff. Yeah. That um, we are spared. Yeah. So it, when you set up your Memoji you never like that's usually this like step one of right. uh, these other things but it's never asked you just pick all of your facial attributes including several um styles that are more common among people of color and, yeah the hair options were pretty reasonable yeah i mean they're still not enough um like they don't have uh, my skullet in there but <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't, I mean, <laughs> I think you bald guys can just, you know. No, there's only one. There's only one bald one. Whatever. <laughs> um, I think bald with ponytail is a common look around campuses. In yeah, those of us age. I've definitely seen a lot of bald guys. <laughs> well, so file a radar. Oh, I have. I've, I've been filing <laughs> tons of them. Um, and they all got marked as dupe on Monday. And like, I saw mm. people tweeting at the exact same time. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, you bald guys are on it with your radars. Well, I meant just all the radars in general. Oh, just in general. Them. Okay, fine. Yeah, it's like someone just flagged them all and then, you know, like did a select all. Mm. Um, so yeah, they're good. And they're getting tongue detection, which is a finally. Yeah, that was really... I it. I admit that it did surprise me um, when when we got an emoji uh, last year that I could I couldn't stick my tongue out my you know frog or whatever. Yeah, and I didn't know if they said it in the keynote or if I heard this somewhere else. But um, when you show someone um, an emoji for the first time, like you hand them a device, the first thing they do instinctively is stick their tongue out. Yeah, like it's it's just what people do when you show them a funny face to make. Like if you put them in front of a funhouse mirror or something, they'll stick their tongue out. It's a natural instinct, and it should have been supported this whole time. I know, and Apple knows this, because remember those G4 iMac commercials where it sticks its tongue out at you? Yes. <laughs> the, they were emphasizing the humanity of this computer yep. by having it stick its tongue out at you, so I don't know what happened to that, you know, group of people. <laughs> They've lost but, the whimsy. Yeah, they did. They kind of have. Yeah. Um, and, uh... An emoji, including your Memoji, will also work in FaceTime, which is a finally. Um, and FaceTime is finally getting multi-user support. Finally. Right. Just like we had in 2006 or whatever. Yeah. So me and the uh, uh, the old parts of Apple users um, mm. were making, you know, jokes about reaching 2002 parity with iChat. 
Mm. Except uh, uh, Syracuse noted in uh, uh, last week's ATP that it still doesn't have document sharing in it. Hmm. And that, that was an iChat feature at some hmm. point as well. <laughs> so like you didn't just have your talking head there, but you could pop in a presentation or an image or whatever, or just screen sharing. Yeah, those are pretty useful features. Right. We uh we tried to do FaceTime to record this episode, but it <laughs> failed. So uh hilariously, yes. Back to Skype. <laughs> yeah. Which is kinda not um that thrilling. It keeps getting worse. <laughs> I know. And it hasn't like in theory, it hasn't actually changed. I mean, granted there's an update I need to do on my Mac, but it's still high Sierra. This is supposed to be a stable operating system with a stable FaceTime since forever because they haven't meaningfully changed it in as long as i can remember well i have the beta on this machine so we'll blame that Mm, for now maybe it's your fault maybe they're inter but even that is like not great yeah it it needs to be interoperable it needs to be interoperable back to ios 5 or whatever uh so that's not okay but We'll let it slide this time mm, yeah. because this is a developer beta. It's not even the public beta and it's definitely not, you know, the GM or public shipping OS. So whatever. I suppose. So, oh, so I, I take it you're, you've got everything in dark mode. Absolutely. 100%, yeah. Or, <laughs> well, 11% because it's only the Apple apps at this time. <laughs> yeah. I, people really love dark modes um, and I, for the most part, don't. I am a fake developer who uses light, <laughs> light mode in my IDE. Um, well, this uh, for me actually comes out of the fact that I started studio work long before I wrote my first line of code. And um, ye old uh, Premiere 3 through 5 was in dark mode and the original Final Cut was in dark mode. It's just how we liked our stuff because we were in a dark studio. Hmm. I suppose... So I I really think framing it as a developer feature is just sort of, you know, a, uh, a, a sort of a nice to have, but it's it's really aimed at matching the pro apps, which have always been in dark mode. And that begs the question, will Logic get a light mode? Hmm. It's true that I always use Logic in dark mode because <laughs> it really only has, has yeah. the, the one mode. And I've never really thought about that. Um, GarageBand, too, looks substantially similar. Um I don't know, but like all of the other developers, um, I'm pretty sure all of the other developers who sat, who used to sit near me back when I had to go into the office, like some kind of scrub, um, (laughs) all of them used dark mode and I did not. Right. So let's see, what else have I got on on this list? Oh, um, the new quick look stuff was kind of interesting on the Mac when they finally got around to talking about the Mac. Yeah, <laughs> which you know, of course, was at the end. Where and they, I think they said more than once that they love the Mac. It's like, oh yeah, prove it. Right. It's one would have been fine, but the second one was like mm, suspicious. Me thinks <laughs> the lady doth protest too much. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, so uh, besides dark mode, there was some neat stuff. I love Quick Look. Um, I use it a lot. I try to use it on Windows a lot. And of course, it does nothing <laughs> when you when you highlight a file and hit the yeah. space bar. And I'm like, eh, why isn't it? Oh, yes, yeah, Windows. Um, 
And in fact, one of the first interactions that I can recall Joe and I having was when I was scrubbing through a million um, photos in Quick Look because it was, you know, I, I was looking for a particular one and I uh, <laughs> and I was making myself ill with CoverFlow and Joe taught me how to expand the Quick Look window into a, you know, grid and look at a bunch at a time and page through them. So I wouldn't yeah. make so I wouldn't so, make myself sick every time I needed a photo. Uh, this tip uh lasts to today because it still works. Um if you're looking in a folder of images, uh select all, hit quick look, then hit the little full screen button in it, or just embiggen it to your desire. And then it'll make, you know, like the first image alphabetically full screen. But then if you move your mouse in the little HUD thing that floats over, there's a grid button. Yeah. And that'll make it a grid, and then you can find the thing. And when you're in grid mode as well, um, you can page down, so you go a whole page at a time instead of scrolling iteratively or whatever you like. You know, you can hmm. still use the mouse. I'm not sure I ever tried using page down. And now, of course, I don't look through giant photo sets because I don't make informational web pages. I make web applications. But that's good to know. Should that situation ever come up for me again, which it might. Yeah, it could. Mm. Um. Oh, and it has little, they're adding. So one of the coolest, like one of my favorite iOS 11 features is the screenshot workflow. And they're adding a lot of that onto macOS, which I think is pretty swell. And some of it even works in Quick Look, which is nifty. Yeah, and they're adding up uh, the ability to run uh, workflow actions from the sidebar, which has been there, but has never had anything useful in it. <laughs> so I've always had it off. But um, now I have it turned on just so I can sort of get used to it. Um, yeah. And, you know, maybe I'll find something to do with it. Oh, yeah. And speaking of workflows, <laughs> because of my poor stewardship of this podcast, where we're going all over the place, um, shortcuts on iOS are a very big finally and a very useful. I mean, I have always wanted, an, you know, apps to be able to teach Siri, like, OK, yeah. the user says this, do a thing like they should be able to do that, provide an action dictionary to Siri. And like they could some of them kind of sort of could in a limited with a very limited scope, but it sounds like that's a lot less limited now. Yeah, so uh, uh, two doors have been blown wide open. One is you can do custom intents, which are the sort of ask Siri an arbitrary thing, and if it has enough keywords, it'll go to your app. Um, those are still limited to, uh, I think, the maximum dictionary size is you can have it only have like a thousand nouns in it or something that it'll uh, listen for. So like... They couldn't, um, like, Spotify or, you know, couldn't uh, use that yet because it's, like, you know, every song in existence they couldn't put in that dictionary. Um, but, you know, other apps could do that stuff. But what they really want you to use is the uh, the shortcuts uh, the API on the developer. And basically, you define an area of your app that can be a shortcut. And you um that will show up in the shortcuts app and the amazingly long list of things you can add <laughs> or eventually Siri will suggest it if it uh sees you doing it enough times which is cool i mean i only make games and photography apps so i don't see anything i could do with it but i there is a whole bunch of stuff that i would probably chain together that i do commonly in other stuff yeah 
and in cool things that I can't have, <laughs> um, third-party map app support in CarPlay is very swell. Yeah. Not that I have CarPlay, nor am I likely to anytime soon, and that is the case for a lot of people, because CarPlay's penetration isn't great. No. Like, I think that my husband's new truck has it. It's a Honda. Um, but my 2014 Mazda certainly doesn't. In fact, no Mazda does. Although maybe, do, do any Toyotas? Not this model year, coming into uh, the okay. 2019 model year. So maybe there's hope that the Toyota <laughs> right, yeah. um, models will have CarPlay. I don't know. Right. But it's, it's very nice for those who are fortunate <laughs> enough to have that. Because um, like Google's routing abilities and, and Waze, which is explicitly for that and is also owned by Google, right. um, <laughs> are very spiffy. And I don't... Does Apple Maps have that at all? The, what, traf the, the traffic rerouting business? Yeah, it's just that its data pool is only other Apple Maps users. Right, which is a smaller set, I think, because um, a lot of people pull... Uh, I use my car's built-in GPS, and I just decide ahead of time that I don't really care <laughs> um, if I get, you know, stuck in traffic. But uh, uh, pretty much everybody else uses Google Maps on their phone. Yeah, I generally like to know where I'm going um, and then just uh, have Apple Maps running just so I can see the countdown until a turn i don't even have it on audible hmm. but it was nice to see them actually open it up i don't think anyone had even wished for that <laughs> yeah we we all would have thought it was <laughs> the most remote of hopes to uh even imagine that they could yeah. ever do that and then they did which is cool um so good on you apple for not being such you know jerks about everybody else um also i mean it's uh, I wonder if anybody actually did switch to Android just for better map stuff. I don't know. Probably not. There are a lot of reasons why I'm going to keep using iOS forever. No, I think the more common situation would be that people who had CarPlay would just not use it. Mm, yeah, that's probably true. Uh, let's see. Let's see what else is cool. Um, oh, my God. So Safari. This is back to the Mac because, you know, I'm a jerk. Um <laughs> Safari is finally getting fave icons in its tabs. So that's like the last thing that I really missed from being from having Chrome as my primary browser on my Macs um, to Safari is I really liked having this little and you do in pinned tabs, but you never did um, on, on just regular tabs. Yeah, I never miss them. They favicons look kind of low res and web 2.0e to me and kind of a thing of a bygone era. No, I love them. Except I don't like when they change. Like Gmail's is now just a G. Oh, how and, dare it. And I wish it were the little envelope. <laughs> I liked that better. I feel that I should I should file a radar with Google. <laughs> <laughs> but um and of course Safari is also uh doubling down on privacy stuff, which is great um because they're i mean at this point probably all of the major data acquisition companies such as google <laughs> and facebook have uh all of my information and amazon but um there are people for whom that is not yet true and also what if i change and i don't want them to know about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, so they're specifically blocking all the stupid little share buttons that show up on sites um, if you enable the preference. Um, and the reason is because in addition to adding megabytes of bloated JavaScript mm. uh, to pages, they uh, are, you know, what they use to track you across stuff. And that's how Facebook figures out, you know, what products you were looking at somewhere else. Yeah, and it is it is really creepy how the ads show up on Facebook and people are like, how did they know? Are they listening in? It's like, well, no, you probably visited a website and you forgot about that because it was just, you know, whatever. Um, it, But it is like, it, it's, it's icky. And I'm glad that Apple like cares and is doing something about it. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of uh, just Facebook creepiness in general. Mm. Um, so um, a couple of my Twitter friends have bled over into Instagram on purpose. It's, you know, because we're part of cat Twitter and that's where right. the pictures are. Um, <laughs> um, but Facebook started recommending them to me as friends and, you know, like exposing their names and presumably they're seeing me recommended with my name exposed as well. And it's just like, <sighs> yeah, these used to be separate things, you know? Yeah. And that was really okay. And and even Facebook doesn't know how their recommendation algorithms work. It's a black box to them. Like, I guess uh, it'll recommend to you, like, your your dad's secret love child. Somehow it, like, knows about that, which is even worse than, like, the DNA uh, applications that do that. Because, they you know, you know how that works. Right. It's yeah. like, well, <laughs> we think these people are related to you because you share DNA. But with Facebook, it's like... How could it possibly, like, and nobody knows, they can't explain it because they don't know. There was a funny tweet um, <laughs> about, you know, tried and true um, methods for, you know, logic and decision trees and that sort of thing. And then, you know, the car veering off into machine learning, mysterious machine learning algorithms that give you a 1% yeah. <laughs> confidence boost. And, it's, and the mm -hmm. caption is data scientists. And it's like, it's pretty true. Like, we're willing to seed a lot of, well, A, we feed them a lot of information and then we get these results that are, that are kind of creepy. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, let's, let's save that for next week. Cause I want to do ethics and AI and that, uh, Google military contract. Oh, fun. Yes. That is something about which we have lots of thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a good thing they did. Uh, with iOS 12 is that they're supporting all iOS 11 devices. So that's all 64-bit iOS devices. So anything with an A7 or a newer. Um, and in addition to this fighting the nonsense narrative of planned obsolescence, um, people are seeing these performance improvements in the wild. You know, like people who, you know, put the beta on like a 5S and or a Mac Mini 2, or iPad Mini 2. In your case, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I put it on a Mini 3, and it did get better. <laughs> well, those are the same machine. Yeah, unfortunately. They added uh, Touch ID. That's it. That is all that they added. Um, but uh, more importantly, from an environmental perspective, um, it, uh, it fights e-waste if it can keep those devices in people's hands for another year. Yep. And I know uh, one person... Or was it a five? I forget. Her husband was telling me about, because I work with him and he's she's his wife, because that's how marriage works. <laughs> um, she still uses a, a 5S. And I was like, ew, cooties. And we didn't know at the time that um, 
iOS 12 was going to continue to support her device. I was like, nope, she's going to have to upgrade. Too bad. But apparently not. People can cling to their smaller-sized iPhones for another year. Well, they'd be able to cling via the SA and whatever. It's yeah, although even those are kind of um, getting a little long in the tooth at this point. Well, that's just because iOS 11 was so bad. Um, mm, true. They should be fine on iOS 12 because they have 6S guts. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I guess a lot of people still have the iPhone 6 series, which is... I, I don't know. People... I mean, so granted, I'm like an overprivileged Apple wanker, but <laughs> I can't imagine... I don't know. Clinging to a phone for that long is just antithetical to everything <laughs> I believe in. <laughs> well, they also sell them for years after they're new, so there's that's other true. ways they can end up in your hand. Yeah. And, you know, it gets to the point where um, carriers start giving them away for free for real, not hidden in some payment plan. They're just the free phone. Right. Um, so it's actually really kind of crappy of me to be like, ooh, when in, in <laughs> fact that might be the only way that somebody can get an iPhone. And I feel that pe yeah, poor people, just... I feel that poor people deserve iPhones too. Exactly. And they deserve to have the optimal experience on older ones, regardless of if that device is new or old to them. True. Um, but, uh, Speaking of planned obsolescence, um, back to the Mac, we have some regular <laughs> obsolescence. Um, uh, Pre-2012 Macs are knocked off the support list for Mojave. Um, and since the last time hardware was announced was WWDC, and they didn't announce any hardware at this one, that means everything in Apple's lineup is... 12 months old and i officially don't recommend anyone buying any of it yeah my macbook pro is now 12 months old and there's nothing to replace it with if i were the kind of person to buy a mac every year which i obviously am not since i only recently replaced my early 2009 imac um, although i did i mean i did have a 2013 uh macbook air that i replaced with a yeah, despite our, <laughs> despite our annual iPhones, we kind of drag Macs on a little longer. Well, because typically you can. like they keep, Exactly, yeah. Except for the hideously constrained RAM, um, because I didn't build to order my... But even with 8 gigs of RAM, that would have been kind of... Mm, although there are only 16 in my... Are there... No, 16? we went over this already. There are 32 there's in, still, in my... There's still 16 counts. Yeah, still six. That's right. I keep forgetting because it seems like, wait, how can that be? <laughs> but it totally is. I have 16 gigs of RAM in my MacBook Pro. My 20... And that was the ceiling in 2011. Yeah, which is kind of... Like a decade ago? <laughs> yeah, we need more than that now because everything is electron apps. Yeah. Although I guess Apple now, uh, obviously... So, yeah. that, that's our that's our final good thing here, um, which is uh, literally a decade after they should have done this, they're bringing UIKit to the Mac, which is um, the iOS uh, front-end API, I guess you could call it. Um, you know, like the toolkit that buttons come out of. Um, and for it, they're releasing, um, well, they're not releasing anything this year, um, but they're including the stocks, news, home kit, and voice recorder app on the Mac that are the iPad versions of themselves. Yeah. Via this. Um, and, uh, news is fine, but it's a little clunky. Um, it, I 
chocolate up to just being beta e stocks I don't care about. Right. Um, but the HomeKit is the iPad app, and it's bad because oh. the Home the HomeKit iPad app is bad. Mm. Um, like that UI works on a phone, but on the iPad they just enlarged the viewport on it, so it's it's not really good. Um, but on the Mac, the way they've translated things to Mac interactions is just bad. So, uh, um, for anyone who doesn't use like HomeKit light bulbs, um, you get a screen, uh, with all your bulbs on it and, you know, you could set up, uh, rooms and favorites and whatever. So, um, it's not so bad, but if you, uh, force press on it or they're calling that something different now, they're saying press in, hmm. um, uh, but anyway, if you force press a light bulb, <laughs> you, uh, uh, if you just tap it, it, it uh, you know, inverts its state. If it's on, it goes off. And if it's off, it goes on to its previous brightness. Um, and if you force press it, you get a, a dimmer slider and uh, extra buttons if your bulb has extra features. Um, on macOS, you have to right-click into that. Hmm. And uh, my Mac and your MacBook has the force press trackpad. So just my Mac, in fact. I have the... Yeah, the Magic Trackpad too. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't map to anything. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah, you have to right-click it. Um, that should at least be like an... I mean, obviously they need that right-click to be an option for those Macs that don't have that, but I don't... Well, it seems reasonable to have both. Yeah, and I don't even think that long-click worked. Uh, let me Let me try that uh, right now. Joe's um, turning off and on his lights as we speak. <laughs> I didn't get there yet. It's still bouncing in my dock. Oh, great. <laughs> Even better. <laughs> well, this machine only has 8 gigs of RAM. Uh, it's possible mm. it might not work at all. Okay, there we go. Oh. Uh, let's see. Um, nope. Uh. nope. It, it, it actually went into jiggle mode, and I can drag it around. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Swell. Uh, so, yeah, I have to right-click to... Uh, and since Apple has never actually provided a right mouse button per right. se, like the magic, uh, magic mouse sort of, kind of does, but you have to like pick up your um, your left mouse finger, yes. <laughs> on, uh, which is hard for me to think about because it's my right hand because I'm right-handed, so it feels wrong to say that. But yeah, um, so it's always been kind of an awkward thing, and the Mac hasn't super really been all about context menus via right clicking. I mean, they've been around for a very long time, but... But they've always been duplicate functionality. They've never yeah. been exclusive, um, which has always been, you know, the contrast to Windows and a very intentional one. Right. Because you don't want to hide right. Right key on interactions. Right-clicking was always a pro feature. It was for shortcuts. Right. Um, so, yeah. Uh, which goes to show you why even having this whole 3D touch thing in a lot of cases is, like, awkward and unappley. Yeah. The only place I like it is just um, you can kind of get around um, uh, HTML that obfuscates image locations by force pressing in enough times. It'll sometimes bring you to the actual image file. But mm. other than that, I have very little use of it. Um, other than like moving the text cursor around. Right. Because I just don't think to use it. Um, and uh, so by far the worst part of uh, the home app is if you schedule something, the uh, time picker is the iOS time picker. And 
It uh it doesn't respond to uh to clicks. You have to scroll with the uh, trackpad or your mouse. Oh. Um, but also like that's just a bad UI in general. Like the the date and time picker on the iOS, like it was good in the skeuomorphic error because that roundy wheel was rendered as a roundy wheel. But since they flattened it with iOS seven, it's just a weird listy thing. Yeah. And it's just it's just terrible, and it's you know one to one, and it's 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 gross. I mean, have have you seen it yet? I'll I'll send it to you because it's so bad. No, I have not. I look forward to seeing this terrible UI. <laughs> uh, it it's trying to iMessage over. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. I think it finally. Let's. Oh boy, that is really. It's a little modal window. Ugh. Oh yeah, that another thing too. It's like modal windows come up inside of the app window itself, not globally over the OS, or even as their own window. It's it's weird. Mm. Um, you know, so they feel electrony, but you know they're more responsive. Yeah, and one of the advantages of uh, you know having a desktop is that typically when you have a little modal like that you know, in a native application, you can drag it out of the way if you want to look at the yeah. thing <laughs> underneath of it for a second because you didn't actually memorize that information because you didn't expect right. to need to. Mm. Yeah. I so mean... These so... apps are, like, okay on the 12-inch MacBook if because, like, their minimum size <laughs> is, like, full screen anyway. Ooh, I wonder how they would be. Uh, clearly, I need to beta my... Uh, no, my... Don't, please do not. <laughs> okay, fine. I will not beta my iMac Pro. Um, but, you know, I guess I could plug it into a, a bigger screen just to see how horrible they are. Yeah, I. it looks like it would be very awkward at the gigantic screen size that I've got going on here. Wow. Um and and it and this actually won't replace electron apps um except in cases uh, well i mean because windows is a whole thing i mean can you can you in xcode create one of these apps with ui kit for windows i don't think so of course not <laughs> um but if it's frictionless enough then theoretically companies that make an ipad app would do this instead of um testing their Electron version on Mac, and they would, mm. you know, keep sticking windows with that, but... Maybe. Yeah, you know, we'll see. <laughs> but I am looking forward to it. Um, you know, it's not even in private beta. Like, it's it's not a thing that developers can play with or are supposed to this year. You know, it's just a announcement. So maybe it'll be better. Maybe they'll make it easier to, um, you know, like share code, but have exceptions be easier so you can make stuff a little more Mac-like or uh, separate modals out as their own windows. You know, we'll see. Hope um, springs eternal. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to it um, for my photo stuff and my uh, sprite kit games. Um, even though all the underlying frameworks, um, you know, like uh, Metal Core Image, Core Graphics, and uh, Sprite Kit are cross-platform, um, just trying to throw them into AppKit is a nightmare. So, mm -hmm. you know, I welcome my future UIKit overlord. Cool. <laughs> um, and since I mentioned Metal, uh, there is one possibly major thing uh, not coming to the Mac. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, uh, Mojave was announced as the last version that will support 32-bit apps at all. Um, and it is the first version that will deprecate OpenGL and OpenCL. Um, so, in regards to the 32-bit stuff, um, I don't know why there are any 32-bit Mac apps, period. It's sort of inexcusable considering that there was nine months of 32-bit Intel Macs, period. <laughs> um, the Core 2 Duo Max came out like you know um, by the end of the transition like it was only that first MacBook Pro and first iMac um, and one Mac Mini that were 32-bit uh, everything since 2008 has been a 64-bit machine um, so I have no sympathy for anything that was ever architected to be 32-bit only or you know if it's some Unix port you know or uh, whatever then you know that clearly has had a 64-bit version going just so it could exist on servers. Um, so that shit will fall in line. Um, you know, and <laughs> if there's, um, you know, any game you're missing again, I don't know why it was ever 32 bit. Um, and if they don't have the resource around to recompile, that kind of sucks. Um, but, uh, still it's, it's something that I think never should have been in Intel Mac OS as anything other than a compatibility layer. Um, you know, because it was just, it was nine months before the 64-bit Intel chips. You know, they could have just delayed the transition or whatever. Mm. I I didn't agree with that back then, and it's been in my craw since. <laughs> <laughs> For a literal decade. Yep. Um, uh, the uh, OpenGL deprecation is getting a lot of inaccurate, blainy uh, outrage, though. Fun. By people who are... Um, neither OpenGL metal nor game developers. Mm. Um, so OpenGL uh, is an alleged cross-platform 3D graphics uh, framework. Um, and it is cross-platform in the sense that, um, yeah, technically C is cross-platform as well if you want to keep it in the command line. <laughs> um, but, you know, to do anything useful on the platform, um, such as write a game... You have to either import uh, something platform native, like to you know just even get object support because OpenGL is a C library; it's not C plus um, plus. So you'll have to add something underneath, like Cocoa or .NET, um, you know, to actually write your game. And if you're using .NET, um, you might as well just use Unity because Unity is all .NET, and then you get. Uh, metal for free because the rendering layers abstracted away from you. Now, I wrote OpenGL back in the day, um, also a decade ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and in fact, uh, what I uh, wrote in it uh, as uh, my senior thesis project um, was a thing that used uh, uh, computer vision and uh, uh, two camera feeds. And it actually looked like the multi-person FaceTime UI <laughs> where the person that was talking got bigger and the other person got smaller because I presented the two cameras in uh, in OpenGL. And, you know, therefore I could just move the polygons around. Um, so it's nice that Apple caught up with me 10 years ago as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good job. Um, but uh, when I was uh, writing that, um, I wrote it as a Cocoa app. And most of my code wasn't the OpenGL. It was, you know, AppKit stuff and Cocoa stuff and Objective-C, which is what all my objects were in. Um, I couldn't port that to Windows at all, even remotely. 
you know, like even the damn camera feed, you know, was coming from Apple's frameworks. You know, it was just, it's, you know, it's it's just sort of a lie to say that OpenGL is cross-platform or rather that you can make cross-platform things in it. You have to do so much platform-specific uh, stuff in it or you get, um, and uh, we talked about this in a previous episode, um, how games always sucked on the Mac because people would write them in DirectX, um, you know, also not OpenGL. Right. Um, and then a piece of middleware would translate that um, ahead of time into OpenGL. And, um, you know, it was just completely unoptimized and, you know, it was also, um, you know, uh, recompiling their C++, you know, um, without proper Mac optimizations. And, you know, the, the, the point I'm trying to make here is that, like, OpenGL will not be missed because Mac developers haven't used it for a while. Um, you know, we got on Metal almost immediately because almost everything was easier in it or... Um, game developers were using something like unity where it was abstracted away anyway right so you know if you see anyone whining you know about something going away i mean if they have a specific example of a game um first of all i'm pretty sure the 32-bit thing is actually going to kill it first <laughs> you know if it's an old game um and you know that that does suck that old games aren't as preservable as we'd like but if that studio is still around, you know, it'd be nice to see them work on it or whatever. Yeah, release a remaster. Like, right. uh, you know, like um, they've been releasing remastered old adventure games from back in the day on yeah. iOS, too, which is always nice. So you can And, and all that uh, remastering has uh, fallen onto the Switch now. I think uh, Grim Fandango is getting, like, the iOS port of its remaster. Huh. Uh, on the Switch. Um, and there's something else from E3 as well, I think. Yeah, I didn't pay that much attention to E3 because most of it doesn't apply to me. Right. <laughs> I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, <laughs> on the one hand, now your phone will scold you for using it too much, but you can load web pages on your watch and it will tap you when they're ready, which is sort of adorable. Yeah. So that's, um, so it's not like the watch is getting Safari. No. Um, it's just that, uh, message previews are getting WebKit support. Oh, yeah. And there's a new Pride watch face, which I don't know how to access. Do I need to update my watch for that? No. Um, on Monday afternoon, your watch app should have gotten a badge. Oh, maybe on my phone. I was just checking on my actual watch. Um, but I did a the hack to enable it early just to see what it was mm -hmm. like, and it, it's it's meh. Um, did you uh, order the new band? That was the only hardware that came out of the event. <laughs> I did, um, and I it got delivered to my house at some point, and then when I got back, I uh, you know installed it immediately. I like last year's better, but it's nice that they are continuing to do one. I like this one. You know, it's not in my watch app on my phone either. That's weird. Interesting. Why is it not available for thirty-eight millimeter? That doesn't make sense. No. Does hmm. it? No. <laughs> it's not there though. Not on my phone, which is now um, possibly running iOS twelve, and it's definitely not on my watch itself. That's weird. 
Well, you should probably update your watch just for consistency's sake, now that that beta is back. I guess so. Oh, I have to beta my main watch because my uh, <laughs> my sleep watch is the Series 0, which is no longer eligible for yep. uh, updated watch OSs, which is a real bummer for everybody who feels that their Series 0 watch is working just fine. And in some respects, it is working just fine, but in others... I will it... dispute that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it tells the time. Yeah. You get notifications. It works okay for that. Yeah, but this Series 0 never really gained the ability to launch any apps, including many of the built-in ones. Mm. Um, so that that's, I mean, frustrating if you have one and if you bought it recently. Although Apple got rid of the Series 0 immediately. Like, yeah. That's why they started shipping the Series 1 instead as their uh, low-cost watch. So... Yeah. But, uh, but uh, anyone who bought the gold one... Uh, Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's really, it's kind of unfortunate, you know, if I ever get fabulously wealthy, that I won't be able to buy a rose gold watch, um, an actual rose gold one, because now the highest end ones are unattractive ceramic. In my nice. Even the greeny black one? Uh, it looks okay, um, but I think the white one looks nice. It doesn't look toilety at all. Mm, maybe so, but I like the shiny gold. Like the real yeah. gold gold. If I ever became a millionaire, I would definitely have wanted <laughs> the gold one. Yeah, I mean, if you could drop 17K on a watch. Yeah. Um, who knows? I mean, they probably only sold 12 of them anyway, so maybe they have an upgrade program for those people. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. know anyone, though, so. No, I definitely don't know anybody that wealthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So some stuff. It's kind of a bummer that there was no new hardware. Of course, we have our promised Mac modular Mac Pro, which will look like nobody knows. <laughs> and once again, it's worth mentioning the tweet that Apple is evidently spending uh, this much time designing the one Mac that whose users absolutely do not care at all what it looks like. Right. Right, because it just, you know, goes under a desk or behind a display right. or around the corner. You know, it's just, ugh. Make it look like the original G3 tower if you want. Make it put, or better yet, put it in a blue and white G3 tower. But uh, yeah. Space gray cheese grater. Right. That would be fine. Actually, that would be kind of awesome. Yep. But no. And, what if it would uh, be water cooled? No, Ap Apple's not that stupid. At well, least I hope they're not. I don't know. It seems Cause they, like. Because they, they did the liquid cooled uh, quad G5 and that leaked. Well, you just have to make better plumbing. Hmm. Well, if that's another machine that doesn't get updated for five years, I mean, <laughs> is that plumbing meant to last five years? Well, I don't know. You you have to put special stuff in your water so that it doesn't grow algae because that's bad for your cooling system. I don't know. It does seem like all the PC building people that I know are making water-cooled systems, though. Including... Yeah, but they were also dipping their stuff in oil five years ago, so... Hmm, yeah. And they're not doing that anymore. No, that's true. I mean, they've been water cooling for a really long time. I mean, as the existence of a G4, G5, rather, with water cooling would tend to indicate um, custom builders have been water cooling for a very long time, but it does seem to be more mainstream now. I don't know. Yeah. Or, yeah. or maybe they'll just stick to fans. Yeah, although water cooling is pretty quiet. 
which is another advantage, especially for like Studio Max. Yeah. I want to see, god damn it, that reminds me, I want to see a new studio display from Apple. Right, that's a, that's coming with the Mac Pro, allegedly, or you know, at least was in the same mea culpa announcement. Mm, well, I guess we'll wait and see maybe in September. Maybe Although we'll get we're... an October event this time. Yeah, that would be okay. I mean, the more events, the merrier, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a shame, you know, that Mac OS is uh, the system got that got the uh, updates, uh, you know, for this uh, WWDC, but uh, the hardware is yet again long in the tooth. Yeah. yeah. Well, but they assure us. That they that they love the Mac or care about the Mac or whatever they said. Right. Twice. Right. <laughs> mm. No, baby, I love you. Don't leave me. <laughs> <laughs>